what the last two years have taught us is that it's, we really have no idea what's on the road ahead. We can have some ideas, but it's basically a guess. What we're simply doing in this series is as we look at the road ahead, there will still be uncertainties. That's a guarantee. But as the tagline says, we can be prepared. We might not know what's next, but we can be prepared for it. In case you weren't here last week, last week, Pastor Ben laid out a very helpful rule for the road ahead. The rule is simply this, that when it comes to your destination that you want to get at, it's your direction, not your intention, that gets you to your destination. You can have the best intentions in the world, the best wishes, but ultimately it's our actual direction that determines your destination. So that was an extremely practical, useful rule for the road ahead. And today we're getting into rule number two for the, for the road ahead. And I, I was thinking about some different names for what to name this rule. And ultimately I picked one that's a little bit difficult to say. So we'll just put it like this. The rule we're looking at today is the as long as rule. The as long as rule. And rather than me giving you a definition for what I'm talking about, I'm just going to give you some examples because we all have these to some degree or another. Let me put one on the screen here. So my car will be fine as long as it starts, as long as it has an eighth of a tank of gas, as long as whatever. We all have our different ideas of my car is fine, up to a certain degree, and then I need to do something to it or I need to replace it. That's one easy example. Um, coming out of a year of drought, what about this one? My lawn will be fine as long as. As long as it's not the embarrassment of the neighborhood, as long as I blend in with whatever anyone else is doing. Again, you have your own standards, you set your own rule, but you kind of have this thing in your mind if you have a lawn to deal with. What about this one? My checking account is fine. My finances are fine. As long as what? For some of you, it's as long as it doesn't go below a certain amount. For some of you, your checking account is fine as long as it doesn't go above a certain amount because you want that money making interest, not just sitting in a checking account. But again, you have your own rules by which you navigate life. Uh, one last one. My health. My health will be fine as long as I can fit into my yoga pants. <laughs> I only wear those for Amy. But on a serious note, my health will be fine as long as the doctor isn't angry at me, as long as I can keep up with the kids or grandkids. Where, where do you set that bar at which point your health starts to get your attention. Here's the thing. This isn't bad. This is actually necessary for the road ahead because in order to be a good steward of the hundreds, if not thousands of things that you have to manage in your life, you need to set certain rules for when something needs your attention. In other words, these rules are necessary and you're being a good steward of your things by putting these rules in place. But here's why it's a spiritual issue. What is, good for, what is good stewardship for your things can be dangerous when you apply it to yourself, your own being. It's one thing to say, my car will be fine as long as, my, my finances will be fine as long as, but it's a whole different thing to say this. 
I'll be fine as long as. And how would you finish that? Just thinking of your current place in life, what the last week, the last month or year has been like. How have you been finishing that statement? I'll be fine as long as I have my job. Or how about this? I'll be fine as I have him or her in my life, whether it's a spouse or a son or a daughter. I'll be fine as long as I can continue doing what I love to do. Don't take away my hobby. Don't take away driving. Don't take that away. As long as I can continue doing what I love, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. Or I know for a lot of you, at least in the room, this is on your minds today. Are the, are the Vikings going to win or lose? That doesn't matter as long as the Packers lose. <laughs> I'll be fine as long as the other team loses. doesn't matter what my team does. See, we all kind of set our standards for at what point will we be fine? And have you ever actually said this out loud? Maybe someone was trying to console you during a difficult time. I'm sorry this is happening. Anything I can do? And your response is, well, I'll be fine as long as I have my job. As long as I have this person. And if you stop and think about it, this is not a very good strategy for the road ahead. It's good stewardship for your things, but it is horribly um, damaging for you as a person to apply it to yourself. Because here's what we all know, and some of us have experienced this. Eventually, your as long as will be no longer. The person that you will be fine with, they will be here no longer. Eventually, the finances that you're fine with, they will be no longer. Eventually, the health that you've loved will be no longer. The thing you love to do, you will do no longer. And what will happen then? Where is your wholeness? Where is your wellness? So here's the big idea that we're going to see God work into our hearts today. And he worked into my heart this week. If you're taking notes, it's number one on your sheet. You can be fine when everything around you is not. It is possible. And I think this is a message especially pertinent to our younger half of generations today when, when it comes to the taking of offense in our world. And, you know, we, everyone has to cater to who we are and our preferences. We're, we're, we're kind of making ourselves vulnerable. But here's what we need to hear from God. You can be fine even when there's offense going your way. You can be fine even when you're not being validated for who you think you are. Everything around you might not be fine, but you can be. So here's two goals for today. In case I miss you at any point in the sermon and you start to count the lights on the ceiling or something, um, in case I miss you, here's two goals for today's message. Number one, I, I hope you can have an awareness of your as long as rules. I'll be fine as long as. I'll be fine as long as. This is something that isn't always obvious, and a lot of times it's unspoken. So my prayer for you is that through this message, God will pull out of your heart some of the rules you've been living by and allowing you to think about. That's my first goal. The second goal is to replace them with something better. And this might happen over the course of the next 20 minutes, but what I know is that this will be a week-long, lifelong thing as you continually think to yourself, what is it that determines my wholeness or my wellness? And it has nothing to do with the circumstances on the road ahead. It has everything to do with an immeasurable, all-surpassing power that God makes available to you. 
That's what we're going to get into today. We're going to get into 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The, the book of 2 Corinthians is kind of interesting because it's the, the sequel to 1 Corinthians. And actually, there was another letter in there. Long story short, 2 Corinthians was written largely by the Apostle Paul because there were a lot of people attacking him. There were lots of accusations against Paul. Again, he was a first century Christian pastor and missionary. His goal in life, his purpose was just to travel around and tell people about Jesus. And that's what he did. But as he was working with these Christians in Corinth, he had to send them a few letters to instruct them, but also in 2 Corinthians to correct them. Um, apparently, word had gotten out that Paul was too weak. There were some other people who were claiming to have some authority from God. And they were saying, Paul is a stutterer. Paul has no power. He's this weak guy. Are you really going to listen to him? You really think that he's from God? And so these other teachers came in. They were contradicting what Paul had taught about Jesus. And so Paul has to write them a letter defending his authority. And here's the thing. If, if I were Paul, if you were Paul in this situation, I think that we would all come up with the same as long as rule. For a person who's traveling around talking about Jesus, I think if he would have had a rule, it would have gone something like this. He would have said, as long as people recognize my authority, I'll be just fine. But guess what? People were not recognizing his authority to talk about spiritual matters. So did his world crumble around him? Was he not fine? In 2 Corinthians, we see an amazing resiliency about the Apostle Paul, and thankfully, he doesn't keep it a secret. He brings you in. He says, hey, if you're living your life with a bunch of I'll be fine as long as rules, I've got something so much better for you. So as we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to start a little bit slowly because there's some background that I want to bring into it for you just to help you enjoy the flavor of what's being said and we'll jump right into verse seven here. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And I, I, when I first started reading this, I thought, oh, the we refers to like we, like all of us, people he was writing to, himself, all this stuff. But as you look through 2 Corinthians, the we is actually a reference to Paul and perhaps the other apostles who were doing the same thing he was. He's talking about himself. We have this treasure, and treasure goes back to what was previously said in the previous verses. This treasure is this incredible light or wisdom from God that shines the spotlight on where our hope is. It's this amazing news that we've already celebrated as a church today that regardless of your sin, you are forgiven. Regardless of your background, Jesus died for you. And it was this power to change people's eternities and lives. And Paul says, we, we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's actually a really interesting phrase. If you look at the Greek that Paul originally wrote this in, jars of clay literally is like earthen things. Earthen things. That's how we always talk, right? Earthen things. Clay stuff. Clay containers, it doesn't even have its own title or noun. It's just this vague term. And based on how it's used in context, we can say, well, he's kind of referring to these jars of clay. And what he's getting at is simply this. 
You're calling me weak, Paul would say to the, second, to the Corinthians. People are saying I'm weak. And I agree. We have this treasure, this amazing power from God, the gospel. And what makes it powerful and effective is not the one who delivers it. The power is self-contained. In today's terms, we wouldn't talk about jars of clay because I don't know about you, but I don't have jars of clay that I store stuff in. But I do have plenty of Tupperware. And I assume if I walked into your house, you would not have a china cabinet with all your fine Tupperware out for display. We keep that stuff in a drawer, right? We keep it tucked away. It's all stacked up and the lids, there's always one without a lid. But the point is, it's not the Tupperware that's so important. It's what's inside. The role of Tupperware is to make something important more accessible, it brings something to where it needs to be. And, and Paul was saying, that's, that's all I am. I'm the Tupperware that has this amazing news, this amazing treasure for the world. How does he see himself? He's, he does not see himself as someone who is broken, destroyed because of people's lack of acknowledging his authority. He says, I'm fine. You're telling me what I already know. I'm weak. I stutter. I'm not perfect. I'm not physically fit like most people are. There's people who are more impressive, who are trying to get your attention. They're the fine china. I'm just the jar of clay. But what's important is what I bring to you. And then Paul gives this little window into his life to say, here's what this means for me. And this is so incredible. If, if there's a, a section in the Bible that you commit to heart, this one has the power to change the way you see every day if it's something you can memorize. Here's what he says. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This power is, is not from us. It's from God in every way. And here's the impact it makes. He goes on. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. The, the, the Greek words he uses, they're so interesting because it's like he's making his own fill-ins, kind of. You know how we try to make our fill-ins like a little catchy and a little bit of um, mirroring and parallelism, but it doesn't come across quite as well in the English, but that's okay. We still get the point. Um, the, the word for hard-pressed, that word is also used where Jesus was being surrounded by crowds and crowds of people, pushed in, hard-pressed. It can also be used of when you're trying to form something, when, you hard, when it's crowded around, it's pushed in, it's squished. It can also be used for like wine presses, crushing the grapes. They're hard pressed. They're all crowded together. But Paul says, even though this is happening, we are not crushed. And that word crushed can also be a reference to being confined or conformed, bending a piece of metal. He says, even though there's so much pressure around me, us, apostles, we are not crushed. We are not confined. We are not conformed. And what if you would tell yourself that every day? Today, I will be crowded out by a lot of things in my life, but I will not be confined and I will not be conformed because of the all-surpassing power that is within me. Powerful. This is referring to external forces that are just kind of happening in life, but then he gets a little bit more specific with this next one. He says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. This inner doubt, inner questions that you just can't resolve on your own. And Paul is acknowledging even we apostles are perplexed sometimes by what we should do 
or by what God is doing. But even though we can't make sense of things, we are not in despair. We don't throw up our hands and just quit. And I know, trying to help with sixth grade math, I'm perplexed. I'm in despair. But as Paul gives this general life application, he says, even with the serious things in your life, you will be perplexed. But that's okay. You will not be in despair. And he goes on. Um, even more focused, he says, we, will, we, we are persecuted, but not abandoned. Uh, persecuted in the sense that we're being chased down, hunted down, where we have to spread out and hide. And even when that happens, we are not alone. What if you would tell yourself that every day? I will be hunted today. I will be chased down. But I am never abandoned. Never abandoned. Because of the all-surpassing power that God has for me. And then finally he says, we are struck down but not destroyed. Knocked down but not knocked out. Powerful words. All in the face of this horrible situation where his authority as as a spiritual teacher was being doubted. He was fine, even when everything around him was not. And for his resiliency, he would not say, the reason I'm doing so well is because of what I'm doing here and what I'm doing here, and this habit really helped me to be resilient, and, and these things. To, to be honest, he would just say, this isn't from me, I'm just the clay jar but there is an all-surpassing power in me. Um, the Greek word for that is, it could also be translated excessive. There's this excessive power. It's, it's just obnoxious in how powerful it is. It can overcome anything that might be in your life. And that was the secret to his resiliency. So that's the second thing that we learned today from, from uh, Paul, or the next fill-in at least. Nothing can match the excessive power that's at work in you. Nothing can match it. No matter how much life crowds around you, no matter how much doubt wells up from inside of you, no matter how much persecution you might face for Jesus' sake, no matter what perplexities, no matter what issues come toward you, nothing can match the excessive power that's at work in you. In another place, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in you. And that's where his resiliency came from. I have a resurrection power, a resurrection power alive in me. And therefore, if you want to put those words into your own heart, uh, the verses that we just read, those would be a powerful reminder of what God is able to do through his power. And then as we continue here, he's going to give some practical applications, because this is just a general principle, but he's going to give us an application of what this looked like for him this all-surpassing power that he had from God. He said this. He said, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And whenever you get into some, like, what's he talking about? It's good to pay attention to the words he repeats because that brings you to the main point that he's getting across. So carry around is very similar to the word revealed. We see revealed coming up. We see body. We see death. We see life. Um, and as we put this all together, we're going to get a conclusion about what he's getting at. He says, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, because of our faith in Jesus, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal jars of clay body. So then, 
Death is at work in us, apostles, who are sharing the good news. But life is at work in you. One of the accusations that was being thrown against him is that he's just in it for the fame or the attention or the money or the wealth, even though none of that was true. But he says, you know what's in this for me? To do what I'm doing as, as an apostle, one sent out by Jesus? I carry around death as my companion every day. Threats of people wanting to kill me. In fact, Jesus himself warned us that what they did to him will also happen to us. What's in it for me is not fame, it's not money, it's not wealth. I'm carrying a cross here. And as he conveys this to the Corinthian people, he's acknowledging there's nothing in it for me. The benefit is is completely, completely for you. And this gives us the first hint into what we see that's really driving Paul's motivation here. When it comes to the road ahead, he was not focused on preserving himself. It was all about this greater mission that he'll expound on in just a moment. First, he says this. It says, uh, it's written, I believed, therefore I've spoken. So what you really believe in your heart, you're going to express with your words. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So the things I'm telling you about God, about Jesus, we believe it and we speak it. And you might think that he would go on to say, we believe and speak about this as long as... We see results. As long as I'm being blessed in some obvious way, as long as God lines things up to prove he's still there and still taking care of us, we would put conditions on this, but Paul did not. He says it's not as long as something happens, but we believe and therefore speak because we know. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Not just us receiving this gift of life, but us with you. What's between us, there's grace for that. There's forgiveness. We can make this work out. My ultimate hope is that God will bring us together with him. And for me, this gets to the very heart and core of Paul's faith and also my faith and any Christian's faith, which is the kind of faith we have isn't dependent on, I'll believe in God as long as these things happen, but we believe in God because of what has already happened, that there was a resurrection, that the declaration of who we are is settled. And as Paul is sharing this with the people, he says, I didn't have to write this letter. I could just let you guys figure it out, listen to the voices around you, but here's why I'm doing this. This is all for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people wouldn't go to the character of Paul and how great of a missionary he is, but the grace that's reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This was an incredible way to handle the difficulties he had in life. So many of us, and me myself, if I were in his situation, I would fall back on, I'll be fine as long as I've got a few people. I'll be fine as long as they listen to me, as long as I have some authority. But Paul did not have that mentality. If he were going to craft and as long as rule for his life, this is the one that he would have written. He would have said, I'll be fine as long as I'm on mission for Jesus. That's how he would have stated his rule, and I believe this is the only rule that he would have made in his life. I'll be fine 
as long as I keep focused on Jesus, as long as I keep in touch with his all-surpassing power that's at work in me, as long as I'm on mission both to receive from him and to share from him, I'll be fine. The results, they're in God's hands. What people do with what I do, that's up to them. I'll be fine as long as I'm on mission for Jesus. And what would this look like for you? I'll be fine as long as I'm focused on Jesus. I'll be fine as long as I prioritize him and allow him to set the priorities in my life. And I'll tell you, you would be fine. Everything would be totally fine in your life, in your heart. Maybe the circumstances wouldn't change, but you would have a resiliency just like the Apostle Paul did. I'll be fine as long as I'm on mission for Jesus. But as I'm honest and as you're honest, as I look back at my life, so much of what's on the road behind me is I was on mission for myself. People to acknowledge my hard work. For people to recognize my authority. For people to appreciate me. For the reward. I was on mission for myself And truth be told, I still have that sinful nature that brings that to the forefront. Do you find that too? You recognize it would be so much better in your life if you would be focused on a mission for Jesus and how that would maybe not change your circumstances, but it would make you fine. It would make you resilient. We don't do that. If if you're meeting with your growth group this week, you, you can talk about why that might be. Like, why is it so hard to keep this focus on the mission that Jesus wants us to have, whether that's sharing his good news or just loving people the way that he would love us. So this is what Paul's mission was. And he wasn't perfect at it, but this was his mission that he decided in his life. He'll be fine as long as he's on mission for Jesus. I wonder what Jesus would have written. I'll be fine as long as I can get back to heaven soon. Because life in this world just is not fun. I'll be fine as long as I can, you know, just tap into my miraculous power every once in a while to make life a little easier. For me, it would have been instant microwave. Like fish, cooked, done. Maybe not microwave, maybe like smoked. But um, I'll be fine as long as people recognize my authority. I'll be fine as long as people appreciate the mission that I came to do for this world. But here's the thing, when, when we look at all the things that Jesus could have ended that with, none of them happened. Even for that last one, his own 12 closest disciples didn't fully recognize the extent of his mission until after he had completed it. You know how he would have finished this statement? Jesus would have said, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. As long as my mission is the world. I'll be fine as long as my will lines up with my Father's will to be the ransom for many so that the people who make themselves vulnerable, isolated clay jars in this world might be filled with an an incredible power, an all-surpassing power that will keep them resilient regardless of what's on the road ahead. I'll be fine as long as my eternity can include you. That's incredible. And again, it gets back to that all-surpassing power 
that Paul recognized he had in himself. He was just the Tupperware. He was just the jar. And his purpose was to bring this good news and make it accessible to more and more people. And God will continue to grow that in you also. Maybe, maybe you're not quite feeling ready to, to be that person, but God is growing in you an appreciation for what his forgiveness means for you so that bit by bit, he can also share his grace, his love, his insurpassable power through you and me, Tupperware and all. And therefore, as Paul concludes, he says, therefore, this is, this is where I am. This is where we are. Therefore, we do not lose heart. The road ahead, it's going to be tough. There's going to be things that press us on each side. There's going to be persecution and perplexity and these things that just aren't fun, but we'll be fine. We don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day through the power of God's forgiveness and grace. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weighty glory that far outweighs them all. A glory that's not about us. It's about being on mission for Jesus. And now here's the closing conclusion that he, he gives us. He says, so here's, here's the deal. We fix our eyes not on what is seen. And by the way, every rule that goes as long as is based on something you can see. As long as I have this person, as long as I have this money, it's all about what is seen. Paul says, so we, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, one day it will be no longer, but what is unseen lasts. It is eternal. And here's one thing I learned from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. One thing that is helping me to realign my thoughts this last week and I hope throughout my life. It's, it's simply this, that whenever I start to think I'll be fine as long as, that is my cue to stop and change my verbiage. And if you ever find yourself in a conversation with someone and you, you say to them, I'll be fine as, as long as, that's your cue. Just pause and say, what am I saying? Is my hope really in something that is seen or do I have something better? Do I have something all surpassing that can replace it? And as Paul would do, he, he would replace as far as with a word that's much better. Here's what I want you to do this week. Would you ask God to replace as long as with because? Instead of saying, I'll be fine as long as this happens, you change your verbiage to say, I'll be fine because of who God is. I will be fine. I will be resilient because of the all-surpassing power that is working in me. A power that doesn't make the circumstances of life any better, but it makes me resilient to what is going on. I will be hard-pressed, but not crushed. I will, I will be perplexed, but I will not be in despair. I will be persecuted, but I am not abandoned. Because, because of who God is. What would your own statement look like this week? As you think about the as long as rule that you've been living by, what would it look like for you to replace it with a because? And what if, what if just this week you could find one thing 
that you need to realign in your heart, in your mind, in your verbiage, and you catch yourself maybe on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday night, and you've, you've, you say to yourself, you know what, I'll be fine as long as, and you, just that one time, no, 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 no. I'll be fine because of the all-surpassing power that's in this jar of clay. Imagine what God could do as he realigns and transforms your life this week. That's my challenge for you. Ask God to give you clarity about the as long as rules that you've been holding and ask him to replace them with a because. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, some topics like this, they don't just go deep into us, but they can they can bring up things that we're unaware of. There can be blind spots in our own hearts where we're believing something or putting our hope in something that we're not even aware of. And there are some things that we as people can help each other with, but there are some things that only you can see. So I pray that you would give us eyes to see what it is that we've been putting our hope in. And as those things come up, don't let us be overcome with guilt or sorrow or despair. Lead us to repentance, but also lead us to your grace and your power, your all-surpassing power that's alive and at work in us. And as you do your work this week, let it be done in a way that simply puts us on mission for Jesus so that we might be resilient jars of clay filled with his power in a way that makes the gospel more accessible to more people in our lives. Shine your light through us so that we can be your servants in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.